This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? still needs its guardians. We'll all fly away together into the forever. That beautiful sky. VFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And today we're reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is, I'm trying to find it, the 32nd film in the MCU. It is the concluding chapter of Guardians of the Galaxy, written and directed by James Gunn, returning to the role. For the last time. Actually, you know, I went in with lowered expectations, mostly because of how Ant-Man wasn't quite it and the diminishing returns of Sharmila. the Marvel thing, right? Sharmila, tell the truth. Ant-Man wasn't quite it. <laughs> <laughs> or was Ant-Man trash? All right. So Ant-Man kind of bombed. Um, <laughs> But, so actually to go back to what you started with, I'm glad that this was a Guardians movie and mm. not so much a Marvel movie. And, yes. and for all of those reasons, um, despite its flaws and messiness, I actually came away just loving this film so much. Oh my God. Like, guys, I loved this movie. Like, loved. And I mean, like, loved in all caps. <laughs> um, I could say loved like 12 times. That's how much I love this movie. Um, I think this is the first movie since Endgame that made me feel like I was watching an MCU movie from those times, you know, the, the old times. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home <laughs> was, was like pure, the old times, like was pure fan service, No Way Home, and I appreciated it. But this movie has everything that I've ever wanted from a good Marvel movie. And it's not perfect. Like it has its issues and flaws, sure. But I can't remember the last time I had such a roller coaster of emotions in the cinema, like pure joy and then pure sadness and, and just finding stuff genuinely funny in between. Um, yeah, it, it's good to have that old MCU vibe back. Like I really enjoyed this movie. Me too. So um, I'm glad that we're all on the same page. I think that uh, I, frankly, I needed a bit of a win for Marvel at this point, because mm. uh, to be honest, we're going to continue watching them. They're very big. Um, up and until they become irrelevant, we are going to have to continue on this hype machine. And after the recent run of films, I was really starting to think I couldn't do this with my life anymore. And, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is a Okay, it's a great movie in the context of what it was made for. I don't think anyone here, even in you know our little studio, is making the argument that it is a great film uh, in general. But for what it is, for what it's supposed to do, it's so good. Um, it is bittersweet. It reunites the people that we wanted to see reunited. Um, it respects its characters. It treats the story with um, with irreverence, but also a certain amount of emotional heft. It does all the things that it needs to, and suddenly you're crying. Why are you crying? Don't know. Mm. 
Hmm? No, that's exactly it. I think it also um, very justifiably reaps the rewards that it's sort of put in place, right? Yeah. It's built up to this. Um, and it doesn't feel like a cheat. When you tear up at something happening to a character, when you realize this might be the last time you see two characters spend time together, um, or the last time that you might see a character at all, um, you actually feel like it's an earned response from you as the audience because you've been with them not just for three films, you've also been with them for the for the various iterations of the other Marvel films. But really, I found myself wanting to re-watch the Guardians movie specifically because of how much this movie made me um, already miss them while watching the movie. So I, I think we have to come back to the crying during this movie because they, oh, this this thing, it broke me in so many scenes. Uh, but but James Gunn has been very open about this, right? He's He said that he didn't think the Guardians were a good fit for the MCU when he was first asked to make uh, Volume 1. Um, and the thing that drew him in was Rocket. Um, like, he was fascinated by this talking raccoon who had, like, a bit of a dark history. I um, mean, he felt that there was a very real story to tell there. So I love how he finally dedicated this third movie to Rocket. It's very much Rocket's movie. Uh, that's not a spoiler. It's in all the marketing and the trailers. Um, and it's crazy because, like, Rocket is the character that made everyone doubt the Guardians in the first place. Right before we watched the movie, we were like, you know, how goofy can this be? There's a talking raccoon. He has a gun. Um, there's a talking tree. But if you really think about it, right, he's always been the deepest character of the batch. Like, he's heavily featured in Infinity War. Uh, the scene he has with Thorn, that ship, you know, they're processing trauma and they're talking about loss and grief. It, it's so heavy and it's so powerful. So so I love that this is Rocket's movie first and maybe a Guardian's movie second. Because I think if any character needs that sort of, like, that central focus, it's, it's Rocket. It's Rocket Raccoon. I loved uh, the focus on Rocket. I, I adored it. Mm. Um, I think that the thing about flashbacks and particularly flashbacks in the context of a movie like Guardians, which is supposed to function on the basis of um, the gang and camaraderie, I think you run the risk of people missing the Guardians because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm happy to find out more about Rocket, but bring me back to the ship. I want to know what's happening in the present. And I didn't feel that way. I think that there is an inevitability to Rocket's story. Um, I, anybody watching it, I think even in the first five minutes of flashbacks, you know everything else that's going to come. You can anticipate every beat that's going to happen. It doesn't change how well it's it's played, though. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I was so sad, actually. I found that the fact that the heart of the film was so melancholy actually kind of imbued everything else with that same sense of, of not sadness, but I, I used the word bittersweet earlier. I think it's the right word. It's a tough ask, right? Because really, um, the humor in Guardians is kind of Lawa Bodo most of the time. Great Lawa Bodo, but mm. it is Lawa Bodo. Um, Rocket is a CGI character. Um, you wouldn't think that any of these things would lend themselves well to that sort of feeling. But you're right. Um, a lot of the flashbacks, I found myself genuinely tearing up, um, crying at some points, um, and really feeling a sort of difficult what's the word like you just like things don't sit well with you it makes you think about larger themes and ideas around agency and 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 ambition um and then they cut from something like that to 
a silly joke, it doesn't feel odd. It doesn't feel uh, like they're sort of trying to do too much at once. There's a there's a really nice pace to this whole thing. And I think it comes from having a filmmaker who understands these characters and the way they communicate and speak very well. That a lot of their humour, even with someone like Drax, um, is, is sort of masquerading actual pain and trauma underneath. I read this somewhere else and I'm going to steal it for the show. I think it was IGN. It, it must have been IGN. Um, it said that James Gunn knows how to focus on the small things so that the big things work. And I love that. I love that line because that's what this movie is, right? Um, it's big and loud and it has all the MCU blockbuster tropes, but none of that matters or works if he doesn't show you the, the smaller things, you know, that it's not about the small problems of the smallest characters. Um, and each of these characters are so flawed. They, they have so many issues that they're all dealing with in their own ways. None of it is actually superficial. There's this whole comedy bit with uh, Cosmo, the dog, the cosmonaut dog. <laughs> and she doesn't like being called a bad dog. And even that is given its due in the movie without spoiling it. Like you understand what it means to a dog and why it matters even though it's played for laughs. And I think like that's why the, the Guardians trilogy works, right? Like even though it's the most cosmic of the MCU movies, it's supposed to be the biggest. It always deals with the most grounded problems like trauma and friendship and, and inferiority issues. Um, it's, it's fundamentally like very, very small and intimate at the core, even though it's like out in space and they're going from planet to planet to planet. You know what I think exemplifies this? And it struck me, Sharmila, when you mentioned Drax, because uh, Arvin and I have both watched the holiday special. Yes. I haven't yet. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I haven't guys, yet. Yep. You're guys, the only one who has. I'm never this yet. person. <laughs> Especially oh. with MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm basking. People can't hear it. I, I, but this is what basking sounds like. Um, so... So the, the holiday special um, had its focus on Drax and Mantis, uh, who were two characters that James Gunn had previously felt had maybe been a bit sidelined in the larger Avengers story. Star-Lord and Gamora obviously have had their, their time in the sun. Um, and I and Nebula. Um, but I was thinking a lot about Drax and how um, there is a scene in which some really hard truths are being spoken to Drax mm -hmm. about him. Um, and there is this spirited defense being mounted by somebody who's there. And that in many ways exemplifies uh, what you were talking about, Arvin. The fact that that scene is not just that scene. That scene is the culmination of like however many years of frustration um, with this like lump who's just going around destroying things, um, but also the bonds of friendship and the, the recognition that an, another character can have for who he actually is. Mm. Mm. And, and there is a real sense in this movie of how difficult it can be to exist alone because every one of these characters are alone and lonely in many ways. And then they somehow found each other and none of them are perfect. They're not even perfect together. In fact, they're quite messed up together at times. Um, but there's a real friendship there, right? And um, I don't know, I feel like we're talking, it sounds like we're talking about a completely different movie altogether, not Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, but I'm kind of glad that what I got from watching Guardians 3 was that I wanted this group of friends to make it. No, I think that's because like volume three is very different from volume one and two, like in, in, a, in a big way, right? So I, like fair warning, a lot of people say like, you know, this movie is too dark and too heavy. And I think most of the time they're just underestimating what kids can, can handle and can absorb. But volume three is dark. 
like it is a, a heavy movie to deal with. Uh, it's probably the most violent MCU movie. Mm, uh, I was surprised at yeah. how much they pushed right? the violence. Right? It, it, it's violence. It has some language here and there. Um, it deals with cruelty towards animals and, and innocence. Um, and that's not to put you off the movie. Like you should definitely go watch this this movie full of torture and, and darkness. But <laughs> it, just know that it is one of Marvel's darker movies and it deals with things that might be slightly difficult to watch. It, it uh, makes you squeamish in scenes. We're talking today about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, written and directed by James Gunn, the concluding um, segment, really, of the, the Guardians set of films in the MCU. Let us know, have you watched it yet? Did you like it as well? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bright, formidable media. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. I miss you. And maybe, maybe if you, if you open yourself up to it, there's a possibility. I don't think so, Quinn. Quill. Quill. Well, what I'm trying to say is... Peter, you know this is an open line, right? What? We're listening to everything you're saying. And it is painful and you're just telling me now we were hoping it would stop on its own blue was the open line for everyone orange is for blue what black is for orange yellow is for green no yellow is for yellow green is for red red is for green i don't think so try it then hello you're right BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And together we are reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which we all actually really, really loved. We enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I want to ask, right, normally at this point we talk about the performances. Um, in this case, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, like, who are we saying performed well? Can't, because I'm like... Rocket was great, but do we credit Bradley Cooper for that? Or, or do you Sean credit Gun, Sean Gunn? Young, young Rocket. Um, I just think that as an ensemble, the, the chemistry is great. Um, whatever mm. achieved that, um, mad props to that. I think, so credit to James Gunn, I guess. for I, I don't know how involved he was in the casting or, or picking this group of people to work together. But yeah, the chemistry seems genuine. Uh, even if you watch the interviews they've done like outside of the movie, that seems genuine. They seem like genuine friends. So I, I would I would say, yeah, just the, the chemistry that exists in between the characters makes the, the whole thing work. Because if I, I guess if that was awkward, then the movie falls apart. Like they have to jive together. There has to be that glue. And the glue is so strong. You can see that it's been built up since the first movie. And by volume three, it's it's so strong, this band that they have. So we've been, uh, we've mentioned that it's primarily Rocket's story and that everything that happens even in the present, uh, not in Rocket's backstory, focuses on uh, on Rocket himself. And even the villain to a degree, kind of, even though there's the usual semi-universe threatening approach to the whole thing. Um, it really is still about a threat to one of the Guardians. Can how did we feel about the villain uh, who is played by Chukudi Iwuji? Yeah, uh, I, I struggle. must say I struggled uh, with okay, him. Okay, good. Um, oh, really? I liked him okay. a lot in uh, Peacemaker uh, where I thought he, he did a really good job. But here he seemed... It's like you can't decide whether he's trying to be outright comic booky mm. or something more dark and and threatening and and I never could I never did land on whether this character worked for me or not. 
so i think marvel needs to start talking to each other during their production meetings because <laughs> the the villain in this the the high evolutionary is more kang than kang is and he even dresses like kang and now he, i i think he's a better villain than kang because at least like i get <laughs> what this kang guy is or at least kang in ant-man yeah yeah you know uh, kang in ant-man for sure but but at least i get what this guy's deal is i know what he wants um and i have no idea what kang wants or what he's supposed to be and i i thought the high evolutionary was the worst in the best way like i wanted terrible terrible things to happen to the character um and they made me hate like an extremely goofy looking guy in like a cheap purple robe and i love it you know i i i love how they made that happen so like thank you you know it was cathartic to hate someone that much i think that um you know we mentioned earlier that the movie is in many ways very very dark and a lot of that darkness actually resides in how cruel the the villain is because the villain himself is so irredeemable like like there's nothing about thanos's oh you know i just think that the world would be better if i did this thing and and then there's a lot of sort of other stuff that goes along with that i mean most villains are going to be egomaniacal but the the particular cruelty of the high evolutionary feels quite specific to him i think the the, the screaming and the shakespearean flourishes mm. um were what simultaneously sold me and repulsed me like i bring it up partly because i haven't been able to decide cuz the rest of the performances are the guardians doing guardian things as you said earlier arvin we've seen them do it before um they've been put together now for like 10 years and you know we've watched them just do it really well for that period of time. So no surprises, which is not a bad thing because at this point we just want them to be who they are. So that's cool. But he is kind of the new element that's added in and it's it's a little bit camp, it's a little bit melodramatic, it's also at times very uh, alas poor Yorick. So mm. you know I just couldn't decide yes or no. Well, speaking of new elements though, you know who I really enjoyed? Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. Ah. Um mm. I'm not sure if this is the Adam Warlock that like comic fans really want. Um I thought he was great. I thought for the version of Adam Warlock that we got in Guardians, Will Poulter was just perfect. So Adam Warlock was like my biggest complaint about the movie not it's it's more of a nitpick um i think it's a shame because will polter is an amazing actor i was so glad uh, when when they announced the casting um i thought he was shoehorned into this movie um, like mm. oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? it feels like, like they wanted to introduce to. the character and like this was a convenient way to do it it's it's a it's a it's a good introduction i think um and james gunn himself has said that you know he was sort of pressured into putting him in because they teased him in the last movie and stuff um but i don't know you know i i they they cleverly dropped the line saying that he's not fully developed and he's like a baby or, or something along those lines so <laughs> that i guess that's to cover up the fact that he's nothing like the comic book mm-hmm. version and he missed the infinity saga window which has passed uh but yeah i felt like he could have been so much more but i also understand that at two and a half hours the movie has a lot going for it and it has to cap a lot of open storylines i i enjoyed seeing him there i thought he was a good adam warlock so um i think he was good can i simultaneously say that somebody was good and also that this was a uh, marvel doing marvel things and yeah, i didn't of course. like that yeah. Yeah, so sure. i think that that's what this was because i like will polter as an actor um and i i think that this whole 
oh, I'm super strong, but also kind of a naive person. That stuff played for comedy is is funny. Um, the return of Elizabeth Debicki and, mm-hmm. you know, and the combination of her with Will Poulter, very fun. So I, I don't have an issue with that, I think. But I've become increasingly sensitive. And again, I don't know if it's just me um, to the feeling that Marvel is trying to sell me on a future film. And so... When I see something like an Adam Warlock, or for that matter, um, in some ways, some elements of the ending of this movie even, I get uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, okay, well, that is the six-episode miniseries, and that one is another movie, and that one's a cameo. And I don't like being able to recognize that. I don't want to, I don't want my brain to kind of recognize the machinations, but it does because Marvel is obvious. No, that's, uh, that's the opposite of what I was talking about earlier, right? The feeling of having earned your emotional response, because then now you feel, okay, you made me feel sad and teary about a, a sort of an ending and then and then kind of indicate is it really though is it really the ending or maybe these characters or some character will show up in some other form maybe we don't know but hey and then it starts feeling like they are playing with your emotions a bit and again it's that tension between the larger MCU universe engine and Guardians and telling a satisfying albeit sad story because it's okay for things to end, you know? And sometimes sitting with that feeling is also a part of the experience. You know what I thought was not obvious at all? Um, Gamora. Like, I think, like, yes. you know, mm. her, right? Like, I thought she was the boldest choice or the boldest flex in Volume 3. Um, I love I love when events of older movies are taken seriously and have real, like, meaningful consequences. They don't have to be heavy or dark consequences, but meaningful ones. And we lost, like, the Gamora we knew in Infinity War. Like, she's done. That character is over. And then she came back, and I thought, you know, that's a cheap, like, plot armor trick, you know, like, clever switcher in whatever, you know? But the fact that she's not the old Gamora in this movie I thought that was brave. Um, And we can't say too much, but I was genuinely surprised at how they redeveloped her character for Volume 3 and and how it made perfect sense to the plot. But you also get to empathize with with Quill and and the Guardians because they are slightly heartbroken because they knew a different version of Gamora, right? Um, I thought that was like fantastic, the fact that she got so much to do in this movie. And got a satisfying final or end. No, actually, every part of her story Mm. made a lot of sense. And sometimes, is it so much to ask as a movie goer (laughs) that your Mm. movies make sense? You know, (laughs) I I think it just felt good that that they bothered to do that. Uh, Okay, very quick one. We have like 30 seconds left. Um, In closing, excited for future MCU or just accepting that this is a, a blip and a good one? I think closer to the second, maybe. No, excited for the future of the MCU. <laughs> Just and also get tissues ready because I had to use the sleeves of my T-shirt to wipe away tears, and that's not a good option. It like gets in the way of the movie. So have something like maybe a beach towel or whatever because a lot of tears, a lot of tears. Like my God. I thoroughly recommend this movie as well. Uh, it hasn't made me more excited for the MCU, but, you know, I, I, I live to be corrected. I hope for that. Um, we are talking today about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and asking you whether you have watched it yet and whether you liked it. Let us know. Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.